right, guys. It is Tuesday. Uh, as promised, my friend Riaz Patel is here. Welcome. I'm Thank glad you. you're back. Thank you. I'm glad you're back. We're going to let everybody sit in on our conversation today. Yes. And uh, just as a point of introduction for those of you who uh, have not seen Riaz on this show before or on Glenn's show, uh, he is an Emmy Emmy Award nominated producer. Uh, he is uh, the founder of Connect Effect, which we'll talk about some more later on. Mm-hmm. And he's my friend. I'm glad to see you. Nice to see you. I'm glad to see you. Has it been a year? It has been a year. A, a, a fun year. Yeah. A fun year of all sorts of tragedy around the world and everyone breaking <laughs> apart and Civil War II looming from the corner. Well, we're here to let everyone sit in on our conversation, our debate, our discussion, our dialogue. Yes. And we've got some topics. I thought about us just taking those topics and drawing them out of the hat, but we have some semblance of order that we'll try to get to. Yes. Ideally, topics that everyone is fighting about. These are hotbed issues. Hotbed issues that that's breaking the country apart, and you and I represent in many ways two different points of view. Yeah. And so let's see, as we discuss them, where I, we end up. I don't like to classify people. I don't like to label people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we are apt to do that because we like to go ahead and create our margins and put mm-hmm. people in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you and I come from somewhat different worldviews, different perspectives, mm-hmm. um, different outlooks on life. Um, you would consider yourself a liberal. I would. I would consider myself a conservative. Mm-hmm. You're not a progressive. No, I think I'm more of a liberal. I think yeah. my life... Which I think is a fantastic word. Yeah. I think my life comes from a more liberal agenda. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gay. I'm married. I have two wonderful children that are the light of everything. That whole life would not have come from a conservative agenda. And I think that's why I'm more of a liberal, but I'm, I, uh, I definitely often see and understand a conservative point of view. So do you think, do you think, and this is not on one of our topics, but, but you mentioned something there. Do you think that it is impossible, if not very, very difficult to be living the lifestyle that you live, your choice of life, from a, if you were coming from a conservative background? Do you think I, that conservatives make it hard for you to be you? I think they did. I think that they, I think it's changed. I think the whole world has changed. Yeah. I mean, I would say the hardest part about being gay and the thing that I loathed about myself and the fact that I felt this way, that I knew I was different, I didn't want it. I desperately, desperately did not want to be gay. Is I wanted a family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be married. And I think the hardest part about being gay in the 80s when I was coming to adolescence was that I would never get married. It wasn't an option. I'd never have children. And so I'm living this life that I did not even dream of. And I think that's, that's a source point of my hope yeah. in general, is that I'm literally living a life that I never even dreamt of. And so I think at the time growing up, yes, I think conservatives were much less accepting. I think that has changed. I absolutely think that I you don't think it's feel conservatives this. or of or more of a religious perspective. I think they were mixed in the day. And again, I'm talking about the voices coming at me. And we'll talk about this from screens mm-hmm. that it was generally the Christian conservative that had a problem with it. Um, and I think that, you know, my own parents had a problem with it at the time. You know, family members had a problem with it. So yeah. it was a different era. And I think we move forward in certain ways and, and attitudes change. So I don't feel I'd have to say I don't feel any judgment when I'm around conservatives these days. That was my next question. No. No. Yeah. No. Because because I, I've I've heard a lot of people from say that same thing from that same perspective. So I was yeah. wondering from yours if you were feeling if you ever felt any of that. I think sometimes I feel like the the moral intolerance that I feel from the far left sometimes mm-hmm. I feel reminds me 
of the moral intolerance I felt from the right 20 years ago. And I think that's where they learned it from. Really? I really get that similar feeling. You think it still comes back from the screens and the talking heads that are in your ear? I think it comes back from the screens. I think it comes back from this sort of like, I'm not willing to engage you. And I think 20, 25 years ago, I definitely felt from certain Christian conservatives, it was like, I'm not engaging you on this conversation about who you are, your lifestyle, your background. I'll just pray for you. And it's the sense of like from from the far right and left now, far left, that I'm not willing to engage you. Yeah. I just know I'm morally right, and I know you're morally wrong. <laughs> and that, that's, and it reminds me, it's so funny how it's flipped, that yeah. I really feel that same feeling of like, oh, we can't talk about this. Yeah. Now is coming from the far left. Interesting. Let's talk about the far left and, and what I see, it, that something that's bothering me in, in regards to this issue with Israel and Palestine, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, or what we're seeing happening in the Middle East. Now, you, you come from a, a Muslim place of faith. Yep. Would I you, was born in Pakistan, too. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But you, you, would you... Let me see if I can offer a delineation or differentiation that may not make sense with this question, but do you consider yourself a Muslim, do you, but you're not an Islamist? No, I'm a Muslim, and there are many, many segments of Islam. It's right. sort of like Lutherans and Catholics and LDS is that they're all sort of under this Christian umbrella, but they're very, very different. So I'm what's known as in Ismaili. It's in the Shia. When it goes to Shia Sunni, I'm a Shia. But in our faith, and there's about 18 million of us worldwide, when we go into the mosque, facing the congregation are a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And prayers are led by the man, then the woman, then the man, then the woman. Women have to be equal. This is from the late 1800s. I have never known a world in my mosque, my mosque, where women and men are not equal. And yet no one's ever heard of us, but they've seen all the images of the men in the sludgy colors, all like bowing together, which we don't do. Um, so I'm a Muslim, but I'm a very progressive sect of, of, of yeah. Islam. You, you would be, I would say, almost like Unitarian Universalist in the Christian faith, maybe? Sort of, sort of. Or a, You're or Presbyterian, a, or a, yeah, sort of like... Li- PC USA, more of a liberal side of yeah, the Christian Yeah, yeah like I, I drop off my kids now to religious classes, religious cultural classes on Saturdays, yeah. and we're a gay couple and no one cares. Yeah. See, when I say the word Islamist, for those who would be listening, and if they don't know that, that's that's a person who wants to press their Islamic theocracy yes. on the the culture and the laws and the mores of a land. And even though people see a lot of footage of them, and the screaming and the hysterics, they are not percentage-wise a lot of us. I mean, there's billion of us, and most are just people, Indonesia is a Muslim nation, people just going to work, trying to provide for their families, the crazies, and, and it's sort of like, the white supremacists. Like you constantly see this whole, like on the left, this idea of everyone's part of white supremacy. Yeah. I don't really think that the people actually wish ill and harm to people of color so are I, that I many. I would say this, I would say this, I would say, and again, I'm saying this in relation because we're headed towards this topic about the, mm-hmm. you know, the Middle East, particularly Israel and Gaza. Okay. So I would say that while there are there are Muslims who love and pursue peace, I don't think Islam by its fundamental nature is a peaceful religion. I think Islam is a religion of peace. I think it becomes that thing of where does religion end and politics begin? That I don't think there are that many differences in, and, and, and talk to people who are Israeli and talk to people who are Palestinian who work side by side, live by, and date each other. Yeah. It's but, a but political again, those, thing. Those who are Islamists, which again, Islam, I understand. Islamist that's, is a very specific. That area. is a specific sect of the Muslim. It's not even a sect. It's a, it's a, it's a label that's been created for those who absolutely are 
pushing that above all we else. We would call them extremists. Extremists, in thank regards you. Yes. to that. We would call them extremists. They would want you dead. Probably. Yeah, they would. They, I mean, they would. I mean, Hamas would want you dead. Probably, I don't. There's I mean, no probably. They would want you dead. They would de- for they definitely reasons. want me dead because I'm not. I'm not towing a certain line of, yeah. of all us all the time. Yeah. Correct. Because I don't think. I don't think. I don't think that Hamas wants necessarily the Palestinians that live amongst them to be alive either. I think they use them as necessary pawns. I think they use them as necessary pawns. I think desperation breeds insanity. So let's talk about that because because I, I my premise there is. And again, I'm no defender of the governments of man. I, I'll call out Israel. I'll call out Pal- mm-hmm. Palestinian. I'll call out the U.S. government, and I do on a regular basis. I okay, I'm not a fan of our government um, as it stands now. The premise of it, the foundations of it, the constitutionality of the republic, yes. The folks running it now, I think every president in the United States for the last 60 years should have been impeached. <laughs> I mean, constitutionally, I think every single one of I them should have been. But when I say Israel, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those God's chosen people and therefore they get a free pass to do whatever they want to do. All governments of men have committed atrocities. They create, um, they create nightmares in, mm-hmm. in the midst of people. They do. And, mm-hmm. they, and, and I've heard you say it, that Hamas arose because of something that was happening. Now, my premise there is. There are people who say, well, it's a it's a battle over the land. I don't believe that it's a battle over the land. okay? because Israel represents less than one percent of the Middle East. It's it's tiny. It's a tiny little spot. Um, It is literally uh, five sixths of one percent in terms of land. What they want is they want the Jews dead. I now now again. Hamas yes. does. Those who's, who are Islamic extremists do. Yes, but I would say there, there are four things that both sides have in common, by the way. They are seeing the absolute worst of each other yep. on their screens. They're seeing not seeing the worst of themselves. And I think that these governments represent fewer and fewer of the people that they're supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. And their actions are paid for by the average person. I don't think the average Palestinian wants Jews gone. I absolutely don't. I don't think the average Israeli wants Muslims gone. I think that this is literally a locked in of extremes. And but, by the way, Israelis themselves were protesting their government since January, saying it's too extreme. It's too hard-lined. So the, 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 it was, this was a tightening and a tightening of something that snapped. But I absolutely, to be clear, I there's no part of me that supports Hamas. There's no part of me that does not condemn what they did, the brutal atrocities. But it's not that I can look at this outside of a vacuum, that this is a result of something, something horrible. I really would love Hamas well, but, never to but exist. But I don't think it's a modern result. I think it's I think it's an age-old result. This is something that has been coming on and on in different forms and iterations throughout the ancients and up till now. I, I think that this is... But, but, the, but the force that was trying again, to get rid of... Because, again, the hate has bred more and more but hate. But the, the people trying to get rid of the, the Jews in the 1940s were not Muslims. They were Germans and Christians. So I do agree that there's been this attack on the Jewish people again and again and again, which is so funny because I went to Jewish schools and they're literally my people. Like, uh, well, you, you said you say they were Germans. They were specifically Nazis. They, they weren't, again, which is, which is a subset But they weren't Muslims. They Germans weren't Muslims, and, I'm saying. This and, is not an age-old conflict between specifically well, Muslims it, it trying to eradicate if you the consider, Jews. If you go far enough back and you consider the Assyrians, you consider the Babylonians, the, you know, and, and then, you know, up into the Greek Greeks and the Romans, you know, the Greeks and Romans obviously weren't Muslims either. Mm-hmm. But again, this is 
Those who are Zionists would say, yes, we're the most persecuted people in the history of man. I would not disagree. Yeah. But I, and, and to my life of me, I cannot understand why. Because of the circumstances of my life, so, I was raised among Jews, so I yeah. don't see the boogeyman there that other people do. But I would say that, that right now in this conflict, I do think that is primarily political. So, so here's the thing. Here's my thing. If the if the Jews said today, the Jews in Israel said today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay down our arms and we're not going to fight. Mm-hmm. They would be dead tomorrow. I don't know if the vast majority of Palestinians would. No, but Hamas would. Hamas would. And Iran would. So, so again, if you, if you take Gaza out of the equation, we know that Iran would, and Iran's a far bigger player. Because right now, what's going to happen is this repeated bombing is going to take well, all I'm of Gaza saying, out of the equation. If, if there were no Gaza, Iran would. They want them dead. They, if, if, if Israel said today, we're, no more Iron Dome, we're laying down our arms, Iran would say, okay, then that's it for Israel. You're dead. I would agree with you. And, and then they would and continue. I Iran is a much greater threat to global stability. Well, again, Hamas has no power. It has no teeth without yes, the backing. I would agree. Without the jaws of Iran. I would agree. And when we do dealing on the sides with Iran, we end up putting ourselves yeah. in very precarious positions. So you and I, we, we both come from this one foundational perspective, and that is we value human life. Absolutely. Okay. So my perspective is if the Jews wanted to obliterate Palestine, they could. People say, well, they're in an open air prison. Well, at least they're alive in an open air prison. If it were left up to Hamas, there would be nothing living in Israel if it was not Hamas. I would agree. I mean, I I don't, again, I think the open air prison concept, the idea of the desperation that comes, we were just talking about how stressed I am about something that's happening with my daughter. Mm -hmm. If you were a parent or someone watching the atrocities happening over these years with children, it would build up an extreme reaction. And so whether they're alive, although most of them are under the poverty line, most of them don't have opportunity. If they want any, they have to cross over. So I don't know if we can compare and contrast. Well, I think we're looking at that from a first world perspective. From a first world perspective, I. but I really do think that, that that living conditions are often so inhumane that they're causing these extremist movements to grow. But by the way, there is no Hamas in West Bank. So there's still atrocities in the West Bank. There's still raids. There's still people disappearing. There's still deaths unaccounted for. And there is no Hamas there. And so often Gaza is brought up, but the West Bank is a zone where there is no Hamas. And so why is there this treatment there? Because there is no threat of Hamas there. And so I often will look at the West Bank and look at that as the test case, because there is no boogeyman there. And yet it's still the treatment is so severe. For for me, as a person, we're going to go to a break here in a second. But for me, as a person who values human life, Mm -hmm. who sees it from the perspective of life matters um, at all stages, all ages, then then I have to look at the person, I have to look at the group of people who says, at least we are choosing a merciful route in saying maybe we're dropping pamphlets before we're dropping bombs, maybe we're dropping knock bombs that are dummy bombs to let you know to get out of the way, versus people who are hiding their munitions underneath a kindergarten or a hospital, because they don't value life. They value death over life. I would agree, but I also think that point of view and that extremism comes from the extreme conditions that they've been living in. I don't think a person grows up born. We're talk, we talk often about you know abortion and that every life is precious. That beginning of life does not have that mindset. That comes from extremism but, over but days you, and years think, and years and years. Don't you think that if 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 let's say Hamas again, mm-hmm. that's the buzzword. If Hamas said, you know what, we've been converted. We value life now. Don't you think that those extreme conditions would be lessened? 
that they would have an easier life if they said our worldview is what has caused us to live in these extreme conditions because that's why Jordan, that's why Egypt says, no, we've drawn a red line. They cannot come into our country because we know what they bring with them. I, again, the West Bank is then a different situation where there is no Hamas. Mm-hmm. Why are those extreme conditions in the West Bank as well? Well, again, it comes from an extreme worldview. Agreed. I, I think there's an extreme worldview but that it's, values it, death over life. But it's both life. sides. And again, I would point to the own citizens of Israel who are protesting their government yeah. since January saying this is too extreme. Yeah. And I, I do think that these leaders and again, we could talk about America as well, are becoming more extreme and they're not representing the majority of the people they're supposed to represent. Yeah. And these big swings that they do, are the, the costs are paid for by the average person, which I think is grossly unfair because I don't think that they represent the average person. And then all the footage of the protests from January, the Israelis were saying, this is too extreme. This yeah. is too extreme. And it was a ticking time bomb and here we've gone off. Weird worldviews as we sit here in an air-conditioned building Yes, in, in Texas. It is nice. It is nice. It was humid as hell out there. <laughs> All right, let's go to a break. Hang tight. I'm having fun. You having fun? Me too. All right, good. Hey, guys, uh, let me make sure I'm doing the right one here because I'm all caught up in this stuff. There's a, there's a lot of stuff to be nervous out there. We're sitting here talking about some of it. I mean, you look at social media. You turn on your screen, as Riaz is always talking about. Uh, you're going to see crime. You're going to see decay in society. A lot of people run out and they buy a gun and then it sits in a safe. And if there was an emergency and you actually needed your gun, you wouldn't be prepared to know how to use it. And you run the risk of hurting yourself or or maybe others uh, that shouldn't get hurt. Uh, there's no way around it. You need to train. You need to do that often. It's time consuming. It's expensive to do that. Uh, ammunition prices are through the roof. iTarget was invented so you could practice anytime in the safety and convenience of your own home. You just download the iTarget Pro app, load your caliber-specific laser bullet, that sounds cool, into your firearm and start training. You can practice alone, compete with friends. You can uh, use it to safely train friends and family who are new to firearms. Go to iTargetPro.com, get 10% off at checkout when you use Use offer code C-H-A-D, I spell it Chad. Smartest and safest way to train, which is why competitive shooters trust dry fire training as part of their regimen. Uh, get yours today. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. Itargetpro.com. Use offer code Chad. We'll be right back. All right, let's segue the topic a little bit um, because I think this ties in and and this is this is kind of where we want to go with this now. Because we're talking about borders and accepting people in and who do, who get, who's allowed, who's not. Let's talk about our border. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the U.S. border. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what's going on uh, at the, at the uh, southern border here. Because one of the things I've been telling this audience is uh, for the last number of years, Hezbollah, who's very pro- problematic, mm-hmm. uh, is, we, we, they've been going to Venezuela. And now the largest import into America through by illegal immigrants right now is Venezuelans mm-hmm. coming, and they're many of them under the influence of Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's at least four hundred twenty-three thousand uh, in just in the last twenty years, four hundred twenty-three thousand Iraqis and Iranians who are now in this country for one reason or another. Uh, we have a if, whether you call do you would you call it an open border or a closed border or uh, something in between to be totally honest i would say it's probably an open border and i'll tell you this because i was speaking to someone from tajikistan who was saying that a muslim who was saying that they they're calling up all these young men in tajikistan to fight for russia and mm. they have no interest in the fight they have no in, and so what they're doing is they're escaping 
and they're going up through Mexico because they believe that they can get in. Yeah. And so I do think it's an open border. And I think when people ask me... In, so so they're, they're recruiting them to fight on behalf of Russia yes. and sending them to the southern border. No, they're, and so they're they're saying to escape what, that situation, escape to situation. not be called up by Russia, they're Got escaping. It. And so Got I think it. there's an understanding that the southern border is, is not, is not yeah. uh, tight. And I, but it's funny because people will always say to me, well, why can't the other Muslim nations accept these people from Palestine? Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, look to your own southern border that most of these people coming up technically are Christian. So you worship the same God. Why aren't you accepting them? Because A, there's factors that you have practically in your in your country in terms of opportunity, in terms of jobs, in terms of employment. There are also nefarious elements coming up through them mm-hmm. when you can't secure it. It's the exact same reasons why these bordering nations, even though they all look brown and Muslim to everyone else, there's major differences between them. And the regions around them, Egypt has massive problems with poverty and unemployment and instability. They can't just accept any number of refugees for the same number reason that we don't. Well, then what's wrong with us? Why, why don't we have the common sense to understand that? Look, I, 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 I I, in most solutions, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I do believe right now that this is an, a situation where the border is very open. Yeah. And I think there are lots of nefarious. In fact, I, I generally don't, my big superpowers, I listen. So I'm in an Uber in New York and I was talking to someone and I asked him who he voted for. And this Latino cab driver actually took a moment before he trusted me enough to say he voted for Trump. And I asked him why. And he said, <laughs> because of the southern border. And he said, I can take you to areas in New York City, which used to be drug free and safe. And now they're not because yeah. they're all coming up through the southern border. Mm. And so I do believe that this is this is a real problem. And, and the, the repercussions of this we will face for time to come. And I would say most conservatives that I know are not anti-immigration. They just want there to be some some security in a border. Let me ask you a question, and this goes back to our earlier topic. Would you be more worried about a splinter cell of extreme Zionists popping up or extreme Islamists popping up in the United States? I would say drug cartels more than either. No, of those two. Which would oh, you I say? only choose A or B? Yeah. Because I'm not worried about a group of Jews rising up. It's it's the ones I'm afraid of are the militant extreme Muslims. Those are the ones that worry me because those are the ones who and they are in this country. There's no doubt about it. We've had 18,500 gotaways in the first two weeks of October, which is represents the first two weeks of the fiscal year of 24. That's from the head of Border Patrol who's already reported that. We have no idea truly how many have come across. We've already arrested 250 that are on the terror watch list. So we don't know how many are here. and I can assure you that no one on that terror watch list is Jewish. Yes, but I would also agree that you, if you change what you're looking for, it'll change what you see. I think people are looking for the brown people who are suspicious. And I think my, ner- my nervousness, you can see my, my palms sweating here. My nervousness in this conversation is that it creates the sense of that they're out there everywhere. And I but think that does. I think they are. I, but just, I don't, I, it's, it's like white supremacists. It's literally like white supremacists. I would I say that know. most I, people on the left would say that the majority of but, white but see, people are white but, supremacists. But see, wait, wait, I don't think they are. And I think there's this fear of microaggressions and aggressions from anyone who's white, which I think is an exaggerated fear. Are there things to be afraid of? Yes. Yeah. Are they always expanded on our screens? Yes. It's like people don't let their children play because they were so afraid of kidnappings, even though statistically there weren't that many kidnappings. Right. So I agree with you there are dangerous elements. The truth is not that they're not. It's how many. And what does that culture of fear create? Right. And I think it created a culture of fear around all white people well, now. Well, there's two things to that. One, there are white supremacists. They I do agree with they you. do exist. There are violent white there are neo Nazis. They they do exist. And I, agree I, with I you. would not want to be uh, a person of of your melanin 
of your shade of skin to get caught in the middle of that deal. I, that, I wouldn't want to. And that makes me very nervous. And that's not coming up through the border. That yeah. is here. That's so there here. is no, there's but, no but net keeping but them out. But here's the difference in the philosophy. Mm. White supremacist philosophy, their worldview, and, and actually their religious belief doesn't say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take over the world by completely repopulating the earth. Extreme Muslims do embrace that ideology. Agreed. But yet again, we've spent how many minutes of this conversation on what is an incredibly specific number of crazies, absolute crazies. But it really only takes one. Uh, it takes one in any way. I mean, I was just, I just drove in from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you see what Timothy McVeigh did with one box van and, and a pile of fertilizer in the Murrah building in Oklahoma City. Uh, it only takes one to, to cause a lot of, of, of damage I and, and tragedy. So that's what I, that's why I asked that question. It's it's a it's a leading question, obviously. But, but again, I'm more worried about two options. To me, the the options that I fear more. Well, let's are, talk about the cartels. Are a, a cartel cell or yeah. a white supremacist cell? Yeah, that absolutely is 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 here. There's no way to to. Are you keep more worried out. about? Are you saying that you're more worried about a white supremacist cell than you are a, an extreme Islamic cell? I think they both have the damage, the ability to do horrible well, damage. Well, Timothy McVeigh exactly. was a white man. I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I really do think it's sort of like, which poison is more poisony? Like, I don't, I don't, I really like, we can't really, like, which pain is more painy? Like, I think at that point, I th to me, the thing is that most people walk around now with this fear, this constant fear that it's everywhere. Yeah. And I don't think it's everywhere. And I, I'm not a delusional person. I'm a gay Muslim immigrant. Trust me, I know hate. <laughs> but I really do think that this concept of everyone being afraid and everyone being angry all the time doesn't allow us to ever have solutions. Like, it's amazing to me after school shooting how everyone will blame each other's side. And I'm like, the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. Like, the solution is going to be in the middle. I don't know how you pass really thoughtful gun laws without looping in the NRA. Right. And, and but I come back to worldview. I think everything is that paradigm through which you see your world. So if a, if a, if a shooter writes a manifesto, mm -hmm. they they see the world one way. And, and again, it's not fair for me to say someone, a Muslim flew an airplane into a building and therefore I have to blame all Muslims. I, I don't think that's a fair assessment. I, if some whack job walks into a school in Charlotte, North Carolina, God forbid, and shoots it up and says, well, it's it's all white people or, or Agreed. all Agreed. people that wear a T-shirt that has the Second Amendment on it or something like that. Right. But there's more of, of you around and I know enough of you to be able to know how few of you are dark and dangerous. Right. How many Muslims do you know really well? A few. A few. A few, yeah. Okay. I know thousands and thousands and thousands of yeah. Americans. So uh, because I am a minority, I'm always very careful and aware of how minorities are being portrayed. Yeah. And I think this gets to, well, we don't want to jump the gun, to DEI. But I think I, I'm totally with you in terms of there being nefarious elements. I think the amount of time we spend on them makes people think that they're more there are more of them than there are, or that there's something in Islam itself yeah. that promotes this behavior, and it really isn't. It's I, not in there. And, and again, I, I just know from from my time, my, the years that I spent in in and out of Nigeria, you would go, you would fly into Lagos, Nigeria, you would go north. Once you got north, there was only so far you could go, because when you get into the northern part of Nigeria, then you're in Muslim Nigeria. You Boko will Ram. You will die. Mm -hmm. You go to Kanu, you will die. Um, because, again, it's a worldview. But here what I'd say, so my husband is British, but he grew up in Belfast. If you walk down the wrong street in Belfast right. as a prodder, you would die. Yeah. 
you would die. Which again comes back, like I said, to worldview. Yes. It's man's inhumanity but again, to man. It's it's not a Muslim quality. It is a this is what man I think does. It, I think in regards to that it is though, because again, the Quran at its essence calls for the death of the infidel. The, they literally call for the, the to paint the world with the blood of the infidel. I would say that that is a very, very dated text. And the only ones who think of well, it literally are people who are extremists. <laughs> All, all, all ancient texts are dated texts. I all mean, of all them. religious Leviticus, manuscripts all are, are so going to be again, dated. It's, I it's, get that. So, I think, but they, I, be, they truly believe that. They believe in fulfilling that. They believe that that is the call of the, the prophet extremists Muhammad. Do, but you have entire Muslim nations. There's a billion, one point some billion of us that don't think at all about it. That have no issue with it. Who live in pluralistic societies. And I, I can concede to that. I, I can concede to that. I and again, I don't walk into. Uh, well, I say that. I, I was going to say I don't walk into the mall with my head on a swivel. These days, I actually do. Uh, I do, uh, too. With awareness of my I do surroundings. I too, but I'm not, I'm but not, I'm not looking for the brown-skinned person. I'm not person. looking for the brown-skinned person, either. I'm looking for the person who feels alienated, isolated, lonely, yeah. who's probably a white guy because of what's happening now in the world with right. the attack on, on white men in terms of them being blamed for everything. And I'm, that's the person I worry about. But see, when we talk about the drug cartels, and I know we're mixing a ton of issues here, and that's okay. I, I, it's a good conversation. I, I think that whenever... We talk about the drug cartels. See, that's another worldview. Their God is money. Mm -hmm. Their God is money. Again, they say, oh, we're, we're Catholics. And all that. No, no, no. Their God is money. Everything they do is motivated by money. That's why they are running the drugs, running the fentanyl, the, 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 the prostitution, the, the trafficking, the smuggling, all of those things. Uh, every bit of that is because ultimately of money. So again, it comes back in my mind of, of an evil worldview. And they're willing to do anything to preserve that. I mean, I would say... I could think of many governments that their god is money. Yeah, you know, I, I would say well, the America's government. intervention through. I mean, what America's doing Southeast right now Asia, with Ukraine uh, and everything all of else it is, yeah. is, you know, there's right now my Armenian friends are so upset because and there's so much going on with Armenia right now, but it's not remotely fiscally interesting to us, and so it's not even on the news. And you know, is, is they're Christians, they're people in a horrible situation. You know, is there another genocide coming? Barely makes the news. Well, perfect example, and we got to go to another break. Uh, is is when the whole thing popped off in Ukraine, we started sending billions and billions of dollars. I said, don't y'all understand these same things are happening in nations in Africa. Correct. And no one no in one America, cares. no one cared. No one cares. No one cared. I mean, not in Africa, because Africa is always like somewhere else on the news. You barely see it. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, look, there's a there's a fresh water plant. That, that's the big news. But you're talking about Armenia. I mean, that's 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 yeah. that should be something that we should know about. But it's not remotely interesting right. and it's not in the news. All right, got to go to break. These breaks. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, there we go. Uh, since the early days of Blaze TV, you guys know we've been fortunate to work with the folks over at Relief Factor. They brought that, at the time, unknown anti-inflammatory to the marketplace. They tested it out in their hometown of Seattle. It showed remarkable ability to reduce pain for a lot of different types of chronic ailments. And uh, Relief Factor is something that I take. I love it because it's an all-natural alternative to pain medications, and you can trust it to keep you pain-free and uh, it will keep your inflammation markers in check. Inflammation is not only the chief cause of pain, but it's also a factor in many other diseases. And I know that Relief Factor works for me because I feel the difference. And so there's hundreds of thousands of people who order Relief Factor every month. Most of them, about three quarters of them, reorder it because it works for them. I think it'll work for you as well. So get their trial pack. You can do it for only $19.95 and see if it'll work for you to reduce your pain. Go to relieffactor.com or you can call 800 the number four relief. Relieffactor.com. We'll be right back. Uh 
All right. Let, let, me, let me attempt to summarize where we are. Okay. We love people. Yes, we do. We value human life. Yes. Now, now you're a liberal. Yes. I'm a conservative. Yes. We can agree on that. We can. Uh, we believe that people are marginalized. Yes. That it creates uh, extreme conditions in a lot of situations. Absolutely. In fact, I would say January 6th is an example of that. Yeah. Like, I would say that the people who entered the Capitol, I don't think, represent the vast majority of conservatives, and yet right. you're all lumped in together. You're all people that, willing to storm the building, yeah. take over it. I mean, I, I don't think, I think that was an act of desperation. And I think some people, I think it was an act of desperation because because they saw an injustice and they wanted their voice to be heard. And I don't even think that everybody that went into the Capitol or even was at the Capitol necessarily felt the same way as others. I would agree, and I think that a lot of Muslims get all generalized together when the nefarious elements are actually a much smaller majority. Now, here's the thing is, you're going to have to take my word for it because you don't have that many Muslims. I know enough conservatives, tons of them, to know that those people who stormed the Capitol, who have those groups, are not the representative of the norm. So the reason why I do these media appearances, even though I'm a producer, is because somebody needs to humanize a side where there's not a lot of us in people's lives. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little while. Sure. Um, What, you want more Muslim friends? Well, I've got a few. I've got a few. I, I, I'd, I'd surprise you with my white redneck upbringing. I, I don't because think... Because I've traveled the world. Listen, and I paraphrase... I agree. I, I, para- I paraphrase Mark Twain, who said, nothing destroys prejudice like travel, and nothing destroys travel like prejudice. Connection is the key to right. everything. Because once uh, most of the people I know who have extreme positions generally don't know the type of person that they have an extreme position against. Right. It's, they just never met them. Right. And so that's where it comes from. The second you meet and sit down and you realize, oh, you're not the two-dimensional edit I'm seeing on my screen. You're a real yeah. person. Yeah. That shifts everything. But, but, I, but I've, 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 been, I've spent extended time in many, many countries to wake up with a call of prayer on, mm-hmm. the, on the speakers at the mosque. I can hear it out the window. I, I've, wo- mm-hmm. I've awakened to that in the morning. I've heard it throughout the day. Um, I, I, I've, I've been with that. I didn't wake up with this innate fear of going, oh, dear God. Yeah, yeah. There's Muslims among you know. There's me. something. I, I, my my sect of Islam doesn't pray five times a day. But I'll say when I am in a Muslim nation, it's a funny thing. There's this lovely moment where you're like, oh, we're all just going to stop here and be spiritual for a moment. Mm-hmm. It sort of it, it sort of resets people in a very nice way yeah. that I think a lot of spiritual people of other faiths, Christian conservatives, can understand. It's like there's no spirit anymore in your daily life, and that sort of forces you to be like, oh, let's take a moment now, even if you're in the middle of like this aggressive transaction, to just <clears> stop. Recenter, give thanks that there's a real upside to it even if you don't stop and pray there's something actually quite charming about when you're in those nations i'm traveling and working that i'm like oh i love this sort of reset moment yeah now i still contend and this is a place where we would maybe disagree mm-hmm. i still contend that at the foundation of islam that's not that's not them trying to find a spirituality is not the fundamental of of the Quran with you. Islam. I would disagree with you. I think the thing about Islam is that it also was a very practical book. That it was a book about how to live life. Now, a lot of that is dated, and it was also very centered on the, what was going on at the time in terms of the wars, in terms of, I mean, the, the, the Quran has so many specific things about how you write your will. Like, it was a guideline for a very specific time. I think whether it's in the text or not, I do not think that most Muslims around the world, the billion, think about that you, as an but, important element think, of it. But when you think of government, governments of countries that are primarily and fundamentally Islamic or Muslim, they never lead to peace. Those countries never live I in peace. I think that's a broad stroke. I think that's a broad stroke. I'm not saying they don't exist, but by and large, they don't exist. I don't agree with that. I don't think that the government of Pakistan 
is trying to do anything but keep itself going. But they can't. But they can't because of sanctions. Because again, I well, there's, there's, no, no, the, but again, and they and they do the, have a religious. The problem. The only stability that Pakistan has felt over the past chunk of time was after 9/11. Musharraf stuck his neck out and said, "I'll help you guys get these 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 crazies in the mountain." That by the way, you funded. And by the way, <laughs> who who supported Hamas in the beginning? Hamas was supported by the U.S. as a way of get, going against Arafat and the PLO. Uh, don't get me. So yeah. we we tend to put our money behind the wrong guys that come back to bite us in the ass we, later. We have created our enemies Absolutely. consistently. And I so agree. I think that. a lot of the instability that happens in the Muslim world comes from the U.S. playing this game of chess. But, but I go over, generally okay. we've got the oil. You've been playing a lot of chess on our playing fields. But I, I'll and say it, it from this perspective. Well. I'll say it from this perspective. You take the Hindus of India. Mm-hmm. Okay, they deal with an quote overpopulation problem. That overpopulation problem really is a religion problem. They won't kill the rats because they worship them. The rats eat the grain. They have train loads of grain. They can't. And so they're starving to death. And therefore, they blame overpopulation. So, again, that becomes a religious issue that leads to an extreme situation. But I really do think that religion and culture and politics all get mixed. And it certainly has become mixed in the U.S. for many years. That I do believe that we were a nation where Christian values were absolutely upheld by the government. And and there's some value in those values as well. They're not all bad. But I, I think you can't really delineate where the line is between a faith and and a culture, because I would say a lot of the problems in the Middle I, I East are not faith-based. I, 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 think I, think co- I think they're political-based, yeah. and I don't think they're cultural-based. I know most of the Muslims and Jews I know get along perfectly well and have dated each other and worked together. I don't think it's religious or cultural. I think it's political, and I think a lot of the instability that you feel in the Muslim world comes from political ends that then inflame these extremist positions. There's a country, and I can't remember which one it was. I want to say Syria, but I don't think that's right, where the president has to be Christian, the vice president has to be Muslim. Oh, and I like know, the, but I love that idea. It, like the secretary of state or whatever has to be Hindu. Like it's it's a policy. Oh, that's interesting. I need to look that up. We'll look that up. At the I break. like that idea. I mean, and I think the whole idea of like more people being seen and heard makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, right now I would like even America to but, have but a leader believe, who but, represents more of the people than like, rather the extremists. But like I, I, you probably do, but I don't believe in the coexist bumper sticker. I don't think philosophically and fundamentally they can coexist if you take them on their foundational levels. But I, but, but when, I think if you Jesus take them on the, found, Jesus said, on the foundational levels, yeah. When Jesus said, I'm the, the way, the truth, the yeah. life, Muhammad is not a way. Uh, Shiva is not away for that extreme point of view. But I also think when we're talking about coexist, we're not saying that everyone has to believe everything. I don't think that's extreme. I think that's just fundamental. I think that there is a way for people to absolutely live side by side. And you that think was the, the, two, one, so that was the way that America was 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 but founded. You, again, do you think America was? But do you think? But but again, it came from a Judeo Judeo Christian ethic. It came from no it, actually when he was writing it. There was actually the whole thing about how Thomas Jefferson had the the the, the Quran and had it translated, and there are parts that he put into it that were from Islamic thought. Well, there there were, but I so mean, there's, there's, so there's yes. Don't you count us as an influence? Like you're literally you're like Judeo Christian. I'm like wait, wait, wait I, there's an actual. But, but he also he also created. I think he, he also. Pulled the best of all to create the experiment. Yeah, they also created the Marines to fight the Barbary pirates in North Africa, which were Muslims. So, so while right. he took while he took the pros from the Quran, he was at the same time making sure that Barbary pirates weren't again, murdering American sailors. There's a difference sailors. between culture and religion and politics. There is a very difference, and that's that's a very valid point. It's a valuable point, not just valid. It's valuable. That there, and I try to explain that to so many people that there is a difference between culture, politics, and religion, and there, and there should be a difference. There, there should be a difference. But but we have a hard time. Those get very blurred. I would agree. 
I they get very blurred. We're going to do overtime, by the way. So those of you who are watching and listening, we're going to keep talking as we get into overtime. Cause, I'm cause up we for can, it. Because we can do this forever. I'm up for it. Because we're good at it. <laughs> and we care about each other. We absolutely do. And, and that's what makes this effective. The problem is, yes. us, the problem is so many people don't care about each other. Because that's the issue. They've been a, told not to. There's a whole system I developed of how to connect with people. And the first step, it's epic. The first step is equalization. I have to believe on some level that you are profoundly my equal. I'm not better than you. I'm not smarter than you. I am your equal. I do see you as an equal, and I know you see me as the same, which is why we inherently can disagree and talk this way, because at no point am I diminishing you as a person. 100%. We're not name-calling. The shoes... <laughs> the shoes... <laughs> I could. Those are fish. That's a fish. You can't see them. I'll take them off and show them to you later on. That's a fantastic shoe. The shoe I don't have to support. <laughs> you remember the last time you were on? I, I just for you, I wore my pineapple swinger. Yes, shirt. I remember. Yeah. No, every day, every time I come, I get these beautiful like style assaults from you. <laughs> and I think you think about it. You're like, oh, the gay guy's coming. How a can gay I, man how can would I fix this his, world. his hey, eyes? Listen, brunch, mimosas, and redecorating. I promise you, a gay man would fix I the world. I have seen you on your Instagram. You dress a lot nicer when I'm not here. <laughs> it's your way of passive aggressively attacking me. I don't wardrobe. know if you're gonna flirt with me or some weird shit. Okay, just no. okay. Okay, no, just, no, no, I'm not those your type. Shoes. I'm no, not your shoes. type. Your husband's not here. Come on, we can flirt. All right, we got to go to another break. Hang on, I think we got this. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'll just tell you guys. The Blaze has done an amazing thing, and, and they took a big risk, and we've been talking about this for months now internally. We finally launched it today, and that is the all-new uh, theblaze.com. Now, it frustrates me when I go to these news sites, and the ads are popping up, and the sign-up sheets, and all of these things. We flipped the script. We're, we've made history. We have now taken the big tech overlords out of the equation. We've gotten rid of the ads, and now we're relying on you to support us to be able to tell you the truth. So if we wanted to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop or COVID conspiracies that turned out to be true, or you know our friends Daniel Horowitz or Sarah Gonzalez or Lauren Chin said something that got them demonetized on, on a big tech platform or got them banned and, and censored altogether where you can't even find their content anymore. We flipped the script on that, and now we're going to bring you the unadulterated truth at theblaze.com. So I want you to go check it out at theblaze.com and see what you think. It's very avant-garde. It's very, it's a beautiful site. It's very user-friendly, and you're going to learn to love it, okay? If you're a subscriber to The Blaze, you've already got access to it. Uh, if you're not, you need to be a subscriber to The Blaze. You can do that at blazetv.com slash Chad and use promo code Chad and sign up. You get all of our content that's, uh, that's uncensored right here. Uh, for you, but also you get all the all of the benefits of theblaze.com. So help us make history in fighting back against those big tech overlords. Check out theblaze.com and we'll be right back. All right. You and I could talk for hours. Sometimes we do. We're going to continue talking in overtime. Wonderful. I want to encourage people uh, to check that out. That'll that'll be posted up on Friday. Uh, but I want to give you a solution because we can debate, we can debate, we can debate. But the bottom line is the debating, the discussing and all of this and being able to encourage each other that I think that's the path forward for America. You're doing something very specific as a solution. Yes. Called Connect Effect. Tell yes. me about it. So, so for about seven years, I've been traveling the country, bringing people together in the middle of the divide, all backgrounds in Alaska, New York, Texas. And it amazed me 
for the first few years I would do it, how they would talk at each other, that they didn't really see each other. They saw each other like this, like, oh, I- I'm talking to you, but I'm-, I'm looking at you as an edit of something I've seen before. And I was like, wait, how can I get them to actually see the person in the real world? They're seeing each other through the screen world. And so Connect Effect is a 60-minute entertainment experience. It's a bit like interactive theater. Um, I'm an entertainment guy, so it comes from that way of, if you're in an entertainment show, you're giving over to something else rather than just engaging through information. The problem with bridging right now is all we do is go back and forth with information. You've got studies, I've got studies. You've got stats, I've got stats. It all goes to the brain and ego, nothing works. So the idea is to go in a different way. Can we hard reset everyone's humanity so they're able to actually see each other and talk? Because chances are, even if I'm sitting next to an African-American, I don't know if I've read the right book about them. I won't know what their experience is until I ask them. And so we use this on college campuses. We use this in communities. It's not even for politics. It's for human connection in general because the isolation through screens is is insane. One in four have no one to talk to and one in two feel alone most of the time. Mm. And that isolation from screens leads to this extremism where you're not engaging with people, you're not talking to people of differences, you're just sitting on your screen and you're seeing more and more of what you hate. The darkest part about the screen is not that it gives you what you like to like, it gives you what you like to hate. Which is why if I feel like, oh, Muslims are the enemy, Facebook is lovely. Like, here's 55 more things that you're going to hate about Muslims. And so everyone goes down these rabbit holes. What we do in Connect Effect is we take people, it's up to 80 people, and it's this entertainment show, and they go through it, and at the end of 60 minutes, they are absolutely able to see each other and talk productively across divides, backgrounds, and what I love most is generations. I love the idea of intergenerational friendships, because I think older people absolutely offsets physical ailments when they're connected and feel, and for younger people, mental illness, that they have people who are older, wiser, and they can talk to. So so my lane is really my work in Hollywood has always been about transformation. So politics is something that interests me, but it's more as, as a result, the differences in politics come from the differences in the separation. That if you spent more time around, you know, my mosque and all, you'd be like, oh, I, I understand a different dimension here mm-hmm. than I've just read or seen or talked about. And so Connect Effect, it's, it's info at connecteffect.us. We literally can do this anywhere. And we do it in colleges where people are, don't know how to introduce themselves or companies where they're saying, come back to work, but no one really knows each other and it's awkward and they don't want to talk about or anywhere where there's this existing community that needs a revitalization of connection. Yeah. That's what we're doing because that's the only way. Yeah. You know, there'd be a school shooting and I bring parents from the same community. I did this as a podcast special with Glenn. I bring seven Americans, all parents, same community, what are three things you can agree on? And they couldn't because Nancy Pelosi was brought in. Mitch McConnell. I'm like, wait, Nancy Pelosi, they're not even here. Why are their opinions here? And I was like, oh, I have to introduce these people in a way that they just talk from themselves. Yeah. And it was amazing, that podcast, is we ended up taking a woman who works at the NRA, connecting on a personal level with a woman who runs Moms Demand Action. And for a while, they started going to each other's events because really the only solution is going to be if we work together. It's not going to be my solution entirely or yours. And that's why problems keep not getting solved Yeah, is because we both cling to our sides and we don't actually collaborate on solutions. Yeah. The website where people can find that. It's connecteffect.us. .us. Don't forget, you at .us, connecteffect.us. And that's E-F-F-E-C-T. Correct. Effect.us. One quick break. We'll be right back. All right, Riaz Patel, thank you for coming on. Um, 
we get back to whipping each other's ass in overtime. Yeah, but I like during the break we actually spend time talking about anti-aging stuff. I know. Just I know. to be clear. The whole deal, we're like, God, we're getting old. God, we're getting old. What, what do you do old. on the side? <laughs> so like, what do you do? What are you injecting in your ass? Like, we may yeah. be from different sides, but both really worried about getting old. So <laughs> there's always of, a common ground, people. Neither one of us are going to do We're still human. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, you yeah. People Vain. are people. I've said it when I was in Nigeria, Southeast Asia. I don't care. People are people, and redneck is everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, thank you. Overtime, we're going to keep talking. Yep. We're going to get more into it. Uh, I'm going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, three nights next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, November 2nd through the 4th at uh, the Looney Bin. So uh, that's five shows, three nights. Come check it out. They're selling quick. Grab some of those tickets for the late show. Come hang out with us. Don't be one of those fuddy-duddies. We'll party. And then the week after that, Wichita, Kansas on the 11th of November and Marble Falls, Texas on the 18th of November. Tons of stuff. Watchchad.com is the website. It's where all the fun stuff is. Go check out the live schedule. Maybe I'll come somewhere near you and you can come hang out with me. But uh, check it out. And if you haven't checked out theblaze.com, new, brand new, go check it out. It's really, really cool. And please subscribe, blazetv.com slash Chad. Use promo code Chad and you'll save on that annual subscription. Tomorrow's Wednesday, another special guest all week long. It's going to be fun. Love you. God bless.